coming to you live from Canada. Here comes your game-changing, life-transforming turning point moment. <clears throat> yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church. Powered by hope, not hype. Online at engagechurch.ca. If you're ready today, say, I'm ready. Oh, you're almost there. John chapter 14, verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. So we're starting a brand new series here uh, called Timeless. Just turn to somebody and say, Timeless. You know, how many know we live in a bit of a trendy world? Things are always changing. It's like, do you wear tight pants? Do you not wear tight pants? Is it okay to wear long shirts? Do you wear short shirts? Is it okay to wear sweaters or hoodies? What, what is it? It's always changing. I bought Desiree, uh, my, my beautiful wife. We didn't, we didn't bring it, did we? Uh, we? I bought her an iPad. Wow. You did bring it? Oh, pff, Fail. Uh, anyways, it's totally my fault. It's not her fault. I bought her an iPad for Christmas. The year was 2010. Vintage, classic. I bought her this iPad because you're just newly married. You just do that. Now we don't even buy Christmas gifts. But I give her this iPad. She uses this iPad. She loves this iPad until roughly three years ago. When this said iPad decides it can no longer accept the iOS updates from Apple. So what was given to Desiree as a gift, a cutting-edge gift of technology on the cusp of the future. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. I mean, this stuff was only on Star Trek, and now it was in our hands. I gave her this gift as much for me as it was for her. I gave it to her... And she loved it, and she used it, and now we use or can use this incredible cutting-edge piece of modern-day technology as a little thing I like to call a cutting board or serving platter. Because it is legitimately good for nothing else. It doesn't even turn on anymore. This is 2010. This is not, oh, we live in a trendy world where things are changing. Stuff is changing all the time. But what I'm after, what I'm looking for, where I want to point my life and how I want to live is not in a trendy world, but I want to live living based on timeless traits. And so that's what we're going to be exploring over the next few weeks, some timeless traits. So this sense that we're going to live forever has, has literally shaped every civilization in human history. And you kind of think that I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you know, Australian aboriginals actually believe that heaven or the afterlife was a distant island uh, in the western horizon. Okay, so they just believe that's what the afterlife looked like. If you're uh, from Finland, the early Finns believed that the that heaven or afterlife was an island in the faraway east. Mexicans, Peruvians, Polynesians, they believed that if they died, they went to the sun or they went to the moon. I think I would pick the moon. Certain First Nations, certain First Nations groups believe that their spirit would then hunt spirit buffaloes for the rest of eternity, and the Romans believed that they would have picnics, eternal picnics in the Elysian fields with their horses grazing nearby. So what happens after we die has been on people's minds, oh, forever. 
literally forever. Anthropological evidence suggests that every culture has a God-given, innate sense of eternity. And we know that the Bible confirms this very fact. Ecclesiastes 3.11 looks like this. Yet God has made everything beautiful, beautiful for its own time. We love that part. But then it says this. He has also planted eternity in the human heart. He's planted eternity in the heart of every single person. He put a little seed that says, you just want to know what's going to happen forever. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. According to a recent Gallup poll, 81% of people believe in heaven. 81% of people. That's a lot of people that believe in heaven. Now, Here's the interesting thing about heaven. Heaven is the place that everyone wants to go to, but the place where nobody wants to hang out. If you think about heaven and think about how heaven is portrayed, how heaven looks, what you think about heaven, who thinks about clouds, like lots of clouds? Anyone think about clouds when you think about heaven? Yeah, lots of people think about clouds. Anyone think about white robes? Any white robes? Anyone harps for eternity? Just harps. Chair, little wings, like little chubby babies with wings. Like, ooh, your promise still stands. Just playing it on the harp. We just think about hymns and robes and clouds and fluffiness. And, or we think about Morgan Freeman mopping a warehouse in some nondescript building because he's God. And you're like okay, well, that heaven looks terrible because I don't like mopping now. Why do I want to mop for, oh, I don't know, eternity? So we kind of, we've all got this different idea about what heaven thinks uh, we think heaven looks like. The first misconception about heaven is that heaven is boring. That's the first misconception. Oh, I don't, I don't, I'm not really a music guy, so I don't really want to sing for the rest of my life, and I'm just going to go join the choir and sing old hymns that I've never heard of in church because we don't sing those songs at church, Pastor Seb. Those are the glory days. We need to bring those tune back. I need to learn it for heaven. No, you don't even want to sing it on earth. You don't want to sing it for eternity in heaven. That's, but we think heaven is boring. You might have heard a statement like this. Hell will be a lot more fun because at least my friends will be there. Anyone heard that? Has anyone heard that? Yeah, we, we've heard it. I hear this joke, I hear two jokes every time I do a wedding for not, like people that don't come to our church. I hear, man, I can't believe I'm not burning up the moment I step into this church. I'm like, you are original, sir. And then I hear, heaven, I'm going to hell because all my friends are going to be there. We're going to party down there. Okay, that's an interesting thought. That's an interesting statement. I mean, Okay, but here's the reality. As Christians, we have our own kind of doubts about heaven and eternity. We just phrase it in a little bit of a different way. You know, God, please don't come back before my honeymoon. (laughs) Why? Because the best things of earth seem better to us than heaven. God, please don't come back before spring break. I don't know if people do that spring break thing, but don't. Um, 
God, please come back. Please don't come back until I make this business deal and then this business deal and then I establish a net worth of this amount and then I get this house and then I get this car because all these things, my career, my house, my car, my trophy wife, and my perfect kids are more important and look better to me than heaven with you does. See, we've all got these things that are kind of just embedded into us, this bias against us. But the real question that you're thinking that I'm sometimes thinking when we're talking about things like heaven is what does any of this have to do with today? But the reality is if we marginalize heaven or we trivialize heaven, it begins to marginalize our lives. Because just like it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, we don't understand the whole scope of what God is doing. Even in our lifetime, we don't understand the scope of what God is accomplishing. You and I at best can look at a three-month window, at best. And even that, has anyone been caught off, by, caught off guard by anything ever? Anyone? Okay, so you're living in about three minutes in the future. Like, you're just, whatever's coming at you, that's what you can see. And yet God's got this entire different perspective. We say it this way, you and I live on me-ST, me-standard time. Jesus lives on EST, eternal standard time. He sees things from a different perspective, from a different way, from a different lens. Now, heaven is at the very end. Now, we know a few things. We know, number one, that we win. Because Jesus died on the cross, he rose again, he took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and now we can live eternally with Jesus because of his sacrifice for our sin. We know that. We know that we win. Unlike the Oilers recently, but they're going to turn it around. Lord, take me to heaven. Uh, Where Connor McDavid will always score all the goals. Okay. We know that we win. But what we don't know a lot about is our prize. <laughs> you, ever, you ever thought about that? There's this Bible verse in John. It says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Have you ever thought that, I mean, we like this Bible verse. If you're in, you're in. You love this verse. You're like, yeah, I'm in. It's cool. Me and Jesus going to heaven for eternity. All you other guys going to hell. Oh, we don't like that feeling? The reality is what we believe. If you come to Jesus, you give your life to him, you surrender to him, you go to heaven. The Bible also teaches there's only one way, a narrow way. The only way is Jesus. If you're not with Jesus, you don't get in. Now, we like the idea that we get in, but we don't know where we're going. (laughs) We don't spend a lot of time thinking about this. So we're offering the best prize that we could ever offer. It's like uh, I've entered the Mighty Millions show home thing because that $3.2 million home is something else, okay? And I know that we pastor a church in Spruce Grove, but I'm going to live there for a little bit and then come back, okay? Uh, If I win. Now, you can walk through that dream home, right? You can walk through that house. You can see all the things. You can see all the pictures. You can look at, like, the games room, all those kinds of incredible things. You might even sit in the hot tub. They'll probably kick you out but you can try, but you can go through it, and you can see it, and you're like, I want this prize. Well, the same thing is not true with heaven. I've never been there. I would suggest the people that have, you might want to just maybe fact check some of the stories that they've had, but the reality is scripture talks an awful lot about heaven. So again, what does this have to do with today? Colossians 1. We always pray for you and we give thanks 
to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. If we break this all the way down, our faith and our love for others are shaped by hope, but not just hope in hope and not just hope in Jesus, but hope in the promise that we would spend eternity with Jesus. Therefore, heaven and eternity directly shapes and correlates to our everyday lives because our knowledge and our understanding of what lies ahead helps us to love more and have more faith, more hope, more trust, holding on to this confident hope of eternity with Jesus. If it's someplace you never want to go, why would you ever want to tell anybody about Jesus? Then the best thing that you have to offer, if you don't like the idea of heaven or understand what heaven is, then the best thing we have to offer anybody is a little bit of a better life and some comfort here on earth. Because the Jesus that we teach, that we believe then ends at death. But that's not what we believe. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Yes, that we would have a rich and abundant life, John 10, 10, here on earth, but also that we would have an eternal life. So we're going to explore this idea, uh, this idea, this concept, this huge thought process of heaven, and I actually believe that it's going to begin to change the way that we can live in our everyday lives. The next seven days of your life are going to be impacted by how we understand heaven. Are you with me? Okay. Uh, misconception number two. Uh, this is the number two thing that I hear often. Believers are going to spend eternity in heaven. So that's a big yes and that's a big no. All at the exact same time. And you can look at me like you're confused, but you know I'm just about to explain it to you. So it's a big yes and a big no. Let's, let's, let's just go scripture and then we'll back it up from there. Isaiah 65, 17. Look, I'm creating new heavens and a new earth. One chapter over in Isaiah 66 to reinforce it. 66:22 of Isaiah. Now, as surely as my new heavens and earth will remain, so you will always be a people with a name that will never disappear, says the Lord. Let's go to the New Testament, 2 Peter 3, verse 13. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth that he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. Okay. When we think about eternity in heaven with Jesus, there are two time frames. And I just need to do this little asterisk. As I do each one of these messages in this series, I cannot tell you and teach everything at one time, okay? So I'm going to do my best to give you as much information. The reality is you just got to keep coming back if you want more because I cannot pause. Unless you want to stay all day. I got about five hours here. So uh, if you want to stay for five hours, we can go through everything. But we're going to go through little bits and pieces. The first thing we need to understand is that when we're talking about a new heaven and a new earth and eternity with Jesus, we're not talking uh, right now today about what happens after we die before Jesus comes back. I want us to fast forward and I want us to think about eternity after Jesus comes back. Okay? There's two distinct time periods. There's when you pass away and you die right now. Do you go to heaven? Yes, you'll be with him in paradise. It's okay to say that you're going to heaven. But when Jesus comes back and he returns, which is a good thing. Does anyone think that's a good thing? No, because we're still scared about that. We're going to get to that in a letter later week. 
It's like, is there going to be dragons and flames and horses and swords? Maybe. Um, <laughs> we'll get there. Eternity is important for us to grasp because this is literally what we're living for. So when Jesus comes back, there's a new era and there's a new heaven and there's a new earth. That's what we're talking about today, a new heaven and a new earth. So you, it is correct for you to say, yes, I will live in heaven for eternity. But this is the moment literally when heaven meets earth and a new heaven and a new earth. It's the moment when our Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the moment that that prayer is fulfilled. It's the fulfillment of that prayer in a new heaven and a new earth. You say, well, what do you mean by a new heaven and a new earth? To help me, I'm going to use two Greek words because everyone loves it when I butcher a Greek word, right? Uh, so the first one, just say neos. It might be neos. I don't know. I, I'm not good at Greek. But I'm going to say today it's neos. And that literally means brand new, like something brand new. Just like the iPad I bought in 2010. It's brand new, okay? Brand new. Now there's a second word. It's kanos. Turn to somebody and say kanos. And that means to restore something to its original intent. When we hear the words new heaven, new earth, we think, oh, it's going to be brand new. Neos, but it's not. In the Bible, it's kanos. Something that's restored to its original intent. It's a reset. It's a restoration. It's something that's going to be taken, transformed to fulfill its original purpose. It's coming back again. This earth that you're on. See, sometimes we have a hard time grasping eternity because we have no idea what it's going to look like. What's, what's your, uh, this is going to get strange and confusing. What's your most favorite place on earth? Anyone? Just, Perth, that's a weird choice. Anyone going to say like the mountains? Anyone like, anyone love mountains? Brandy, you like nature. Okay, let's go with Brandy's spot. Mountains. Do you know what Brandy's favorite spot is going to look like in a new heaven and a new earth? It's going to look like Brandy's favorite spot, except better. Because <laughs> it's restored, and it's perfected, and it's completed. We actually know a lot about what our new heaven and our new earth is going to look like because we're living on the old one that he's using and restoring to make new. It just so happens that we kind of all leave for a moment while he kind of resets and hits the, you know, uh, has your computer ever stopped working for any reason? What do you do? You hit restart and then transform. It's literally chaos, transformation. It works. Programs start. That's kind of what a new heaven, the very beginning, I'm doing a terrible job because it's so much better than we could ever hope, dream, or imagine, but I think it's time for us to begin hoping, dreaming, and imagining because this is literally the answer to the question. Why do we even care about reaching somebody so that they don't have to go to hell? No, not only so they don't have to go to hell, but also so they can enjoy eternity with Jesus in a new heaven and a new earth filled with new adventures and new heights and new peaks and new, 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 new everything. A place where we can walk and talk with God in the cool of the day. You see, we can go all the way back to the beginning to get a clue about what the end is going to look like. We think, oh, we're all going to be sucked up into the clouds and hang out with Jesus in an ethereal form. Now you're going to have a resurrected body on a new transformed heaven and earth. And God 
wants to walk and talk with you in the cool of the day on this planet Earth, a place where we live with God in a physical, real form where we can talk with him and we can hold his hand just like you grab the hand of your daddy when you're three and you feel safe and you feel secure. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about an eternity in choir robes. We're talking about an eternity of conquering new heights and new adventures and new discoveries because the depth of God is so big that we will never get to the end of it. We're not just talking about getting out of something bad. We're talking about stepping into something better than we could ever hope, dream, or imagine. Misconception number three. What you do on earth determines whether you go to heaven. But once you're there, it's the same for everybody. Well, ironically, that's exactly the opposite of what Scripture teaches. It's going to get real. 2 Corinthians 5. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Last weekend I was on Vancouver Island and we hit a detour. And uh, the pastor was, that was picking me up, he drives this big white truck. It kind of looks like, you know, like a supervisor's truck on a construction site. And so we hit this... Uh, detour, and we were talking so much, as two pastors who talk for a living do, that we just didn't know where we were, and we drove up to a construction site. And when we got to the construction site, at the, at the end of this detour, there's a guy standing with some plans on his hood and a whole bunch of workers, and he kind of just like stealthily looks over his shoulder because this white truck that looks like his supervisor's truck pulls up. And we're confused as to where we even are. And then we realize that this site goes from pure inactivity to the most productive job site that I've ever seen on the history of planet Earth. Guys are hammering things. They're looking at plans. They're re Like, whoa, hey, oh, hey, look at this truck over here. And we just give them a wave. And then the other guy's so confused because we're not his supervisor. But it's just someone showed up and is looking over his shoulder. So all of a sudden, no, we're gonna, just going to like get things done around here. We are not just hanging out for four hours at a time on this deserted job site. That's kind of what we're taught. That's kind of what it feels like when we read this verse. Let's read it again in 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. Oh. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. If you don't like this idea or if you don't believe that it's real, you can fact check me in Romans 14.10. You can also head over to the words of Jesus Christ found in Matthew 12.36. We've got to give an account for what we've done here on this earth. So yes, entrance into heaven comes through salvation by faith through grace only. That's the only way. It's the only way to get in. But then the way we live determines what God gives us in heaven. You're like, I don't like that. That doesn't seem fair. No, it's perfectly fair because it's the same for everybody. And he told you about it in a book that's 2,000 years old. These verses are not new. They're just new to our understanding. Well, I think God is more fair than that. I think he's more equitable than that. Well, he told you what he was going to do, and then he does it. There's nothing more 
fair or equitable than somebody who says something and then delivers on it and doesn't change it. So that being said, why is eternity important? How does it impact the next seven days? Because it makes everything that I do that much more important because it just doesn't impact the next 20 minutes. It impacts the rest of eternity. You know that Bible verse where it says, work unto the Lord? And you're at work, and you're like, wow, my boss is the worst, and I hate my company, and I hate my life, and I hate my job. So you go and you hide in the corner of the job site, and you don't do anything for seven hours? The Lord's probably going to ask you about that. Because <laughs> he kind of said, don't work for them, work for me. Even when nobody's looking, even when the supervisor's not driving up, don't work for them, work for me. Why? Because the Lord is watching. You're like, that is creepy. No. It's amazing because if he's watching, it means he's paying attention. If he's paying attention, it means that he hasn't forgotten about you. And if he hasn't forgotten about you, then he hasn't left you. He hasn't abandoned you. He didn't, for, he didn't just leave you alone to, to wither and die. It means that he's with you in every moment and every season. The best part of Jesus when you love his faithfulness, his faithfulness is backstopped by the fact that he's like, hey, I'm watching. And I'm with you. See, eternity has a lot more to do with our everyday life than maybe we ever thought. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I don't like this idea. It's okay. You don't have to. You don't have to like the Word of God. I don't like a lot of verses in the Bible because they challenge me. But what I have to do is I understand that this is the authority. This is the truth. This is God's Word. And so I wrestle with it. I fight with it. I struggle with it. I try my best to wrap my mind around it. But at the end of the day, I still follow Jesus and I still follow the promises of his word. We don't have to like it. We don't have to love it. We just have to follow Jesus and take him at his word. Because we love it when he comes through and we can take him at his word on the good stuff. And this is even better than good stuff. This is eternity. It just means that every moment matters. Every moment matters, and it just doesn't matter to your neighbor. Sometimes we go, oh, well, it just matters because i got to be a witness for Jesus so other people can see me. No, it also matters for your future. Let's just take it home. But I can tell you there's no greater feeling than taking your neighbor with you into eternity, into a new heaven and a new earth to explore something new. There's no greater feeling than taking your aunt, your uncle, your cousin, the people who you never thought would ever come close to Jesus there's no greater feeling than seeing them come and say, man, I want to follow Jesus for all the days of my life, not just here on earth, but into eternity. See, here's the challenge for today. I told you I'm going to give you a snippet, and then we'll just keep rolling it forward. The first thing we need to understand today is that we're going to spend eternity with Jesus on a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to talk more about this. Here's the challenge. Make one decision this week that reflects not the myths about heaven, but which reflects the truth about eternity with God. Make one decision this week that, affect, that reflects not the myths about heaven, but which reflects the truth about eternity with God. That's our challenge. And you're like, man, I really can't think of anything that's going to affect me eternally right now. That's great. Come back next week. <laughs> We're going to help you with that. We're going to help you discover those things. But how we view eternity shapes and transforms how we live our everyday lives. And it gives us a clear vision of what God has intended 
for us. You've been listening to The Engage Life, powered by Engage City Church. If you like what you heard, check out engagechurch.ca.